Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here or calling in for what I think is a very exciting announcement. Uh, it sure is also a very cold day in the province of Alberta. When I left my house west of Sundry to come to Calgary this morning, the thermometer on the deck was reading minus 43 degrees without uh, the windshield. I know we're experiencing weather like that all across the province, which really reminds you of a couple things uh, when you're experiencing that. First is, of course, how lucky and fortunate uh, I am and others are to have a home and the fact that there are other people inside our province that aren't as fortunate. And it's important that we continue to invest inside sustainable and long-term housing solutions like I will talk about today. But it also really amplifies what we are experiencing across this country when it comes to inflation and the affordability crisis that we face here in Canada. Uh, that's why my government has invested an unprecedented $5.1 billion in investments in helping Albertans face the affordability challenges that we face. That's more than any province or any jurisdiction in this country, and I think really shows the importance that the, Pre the Premier Smith has put on uh, addressing the challenge of affordability uh, inside our province. Uh, that inflationary issue is continuing to cause the cost of living for all of us to go up. All of us are seeing increased costs and in our, our, obviously everything from insurance to our rent or and our mortgage payments and our heating costs. Uh, but that is no different as well for our nonprofit partners, including the 87 housing providers that my department works with to be able to provide hundreds of thousands of Albertans affordable homes that cannot afford them without that service. Uh, they are seeing the same challenges that everyday Albertans are seeing when it comes to the uh, challenges that we face with inflation. Uh, over the last several months, I also had roundtables with those housing providers all across this province to hear from them ideas on how we can work together to be able to meet our mandate uh, and to be able to improve the system in the way that the Alberta government works with them to be able to help them do their job better. Uh, and we heard a lot of things. Some of those things we're already implementing. Some of those things we will be implementing in the months to come. But one thing we definitely heard was the need for more money to be invested inside operating, not just capital, uh, to be able to support housing providers to deal with things like inflation that we're facing today and the challenges that each and every one of those individuals are or organizations are facing just like us. Which is why today I'm excited to announce that uh, we are bringing forward $10 million of more operating money uh, that will be provided immediately to our 87 housing providers across Alberta. That funding will be used to address rising operating costs in their organization, such as utilities, staffing, supplies, and other expenses that they need to be able to uh, continue to operate their facilities uh, and make sure that we can help care for, again, the hundreds of thousands of individuals, families, and seniors that depend on their affordable housing units to be able to survive. I do want to be clear that this is just one part of our overall affordable housing strategy and our overall housing strategy uh, in the province. It's an important part, but it is just one part. We continue to invest significantly in housing through capital, uh, through our uh, or our programs such as the Affordable Housing Partnership Program, as well as capital grants and partnership with municipalities and the federal government, through support through our housing providers, through operating costs, uh, like I'm discussing today, as well as through our rent assistance programs, where Alberta's government continues to invest over a quarter billion dollars in rent assistance and be able to make sure that low-income families are able to pay their rent and have a place to live. We also continue to look for more creative solutions and new solutions, like the one I'm announcing today, but others to be able to make sure that we can continue to meet our needs. So I was excited uh, this summer to announce more money to go to capital maintenance and renewal. Found another $16 million to be uh, added to our overall capital maintenance and renewal budget with our housing providers, taking our investment to $110 million this year alone. That money was specifically being used to be able to invest in units that were offline to be able to create immediate new housing spaces across the province overnight. 
That's in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars in new housing projects that we have invested in over the last uh, several months alone that have created thousands of new units of housing. The work that we do with municipalities to be able to continue to reduce red tape, to be able to make sure our construction industry can continue to make the most houses, including purpose-built rentals, anywhere in the country, which is what's taking place in our province. And our overall $9 billion investment that is coming with our partners to the Stronger Foundations Plan to create 25,000 more affordable housing units across our province by 2031. Now, we can't accomplish that without our strong partnerships with the housing providers that I talked about, including Onward Homes. Uh, Onwards, I, I, they changed their name on me the other day. I think it's on, Onward Homes. Still, I wanted to make sure I got it right. Uh, who are operating in the facility I'm in today, but as well as facilities across Calgary. Uh, and without those organizations like Onward, we would not be able to, be able to achieve or provide that housing service that we do uh, for hundreds of thousands of Albertans. That collaboration will continue. We will continue to invest in these organizations and invest in those partnerships. And I want them to know that we significantly appreciate uh, their efforts, uh, and I want them to know that their efforts are bearing fruit, and, and without them, we would not be able to accomplish what Alberta's objectives are. And so with that, I would like to introduce you to one of those housing provider CEOs, Martina, who's the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Onward Homes, who will tell you how this announcement will impact her organization. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Minister Nixon. I will have to adjust the height of the microphone. We have some height differences here. So thanks very much. Um, and as Minister Nixon said, I'm, uh, I'm the CEO of Onward Homes. And just quickly on us, we used to be Horizon uh, Housing and Forward Housing until just very recently. Uh, the two providers merged, and now we have a new home, Onward Homes. So thanks very much for being here today. Uh, on what may be the coldest day of the year so far, or pretty close. Um, Minister Nixon mentioned uh, the importance of partnerships, and uh, um, I cannot emphasize that strongly enough. We cannot do the work that we do without a strong partnership with all others of government. Uh, we are a charitable, not-for-profit owner, developer, and property manager, uh, and in our 1,700 units, we provide housing to vulnerable Calgarians, um, those who experience uh, difficulties with mental health, um, physical disabilities, uh, fleeing domestic violence, and other challenges. So in total, we have about 1,700 units, and we house about 3,000 Calgarians who need, all the, need our help. Um, on average, our rents are about 50% below market, and we are proud of keeping our rents low because there are Calgarians who need those discounted rents. We have been experiencing tremendous pressures over the last few years with rising costs. And again, I, I, I cannot thank uh, uh, Minister Nixon enough for what the government of Alberta is doing to help us with operating costs. Those are critical. I also want to say that we need all others of government uh, to continue to pull with us in the same direction. Policy action matters. I'll give you some examples of the costs that we have experienced and Minister Nixon mentioned, and I'll just probably possibly uh, add a couple new to the list. Uh, uh, we already talked about the rising cost of insurance. Well, it has almost tripled. Uh, we are talking about other expenses, like property taxes, which we do not uh, get impacted by as much, uh, but others do. Uh, other costs that we have seen increasing is the cost of utilities. 
Um, I looked at our numbers, and uh, on average, um, our costs have risen um, by between 50 to 80 percent from year to year. 50 to 80 percent. I'll give you another example: blinds. We all use blinds to keep the sun in or let the sun out. Um, the cost of blinds, uh, due to changes in policy and making the blinds safer, has gone from 40 to 140. We also have increases related to policies which um, you know, impact uh, the provision of affordable housing, such as carbon tax. Uh, we used to pay about $5 per unit per month in carbon tax uh, some years ago. Uh, today, we are paying... Um, on average, about $20 per month per unit. And uh, if the current policy continues to be what it is, and that's, that's a federal government policy, we will be paying close to 45 units per month per, um, per unit, $45 per month per unit. And so these are good policies. We are not against policies. What we are advocating for is to make sure that we understand the unintended impact on affordability and how uh, it impacts the bottom line. Some of our residents can afford $550 a month. So if you are looking at increases um, in uh, costs to operate that unit, that can be 10, 20, 25%. Uh, we have to all work together. All others of the government have to work together to make sure that we keep those costs low for those most vulnerable in our society, Calgarians, Albertans, and Canadians. So um, with that, again, I would like to thank everyone for being here today, and many thanks to um, uh, the provincial government for helping with the operating costs, and we'll need to continue to work with everyone to continue to keep those costs down for those most vulnerable. Thank you. We'll now move into questions from the media. We'll start with reporters here in the room. If you could mention your name and your outlet, we'll do one question, one follow-up. First question, please. Uh, hi, my name is Isa Boava for CBC French Service. My first question would be, um, to be sure, this is a plus of 10 millions, plus the 54 t uh, millions you announced in 2022, and for the 17 project that uh, the call for project was closed yesterday. So it's something more than that. It's not part of that program. So this is, this is new money. Um, so th the short answer to your question is yes. Uh, this is different than the programs that you have mentioned. Those programs that you've mentioned are, are affordable housing programs and grant programs for the construction of new affordable housing. Uh, we certainly do lots of those projects with the same housing providers that I'm here talking about today. Uh, but this $10 million specifically is to flow uh, for operating uh, type of expenses that have been laid out, which is different than uh, those capital programs. We will continue with those large capital investments that are taking place uh, through the programs that you mentioned, again, driving towards that full $9 billion total, uh, in, including with other governments, the federal government and others that are partnering with us on these projects. But this is new funding. Okay, I have another question, please. Uh, we talk about the cold snap, but... Uh this announced today is not going to help what Mayor Sohi talked about yesterday. It's not going to help to house more homeless people right now for this weekend where, like, the temperature is going to drop below 50 degrees, below minus 50 degrees. So what do you have to say well, in response? A, 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 to a couple things. First is, um, and I'm going to actually read a statement in regards to uh, what Minister Sohi uh, said on behalf of the entire government as part of that question. But to be clear... 
This money is not designed for that, you're correct. Uh, the City of Edmonton alone, my department's investing about $100 million uh, in uh, emergency homeless housing this year alone, just in the City of Edmonton. That also would include similar type investments in the City of Calgary, uh, as well as other cities across the province. We have, and I want to be very clear about this, we have more than enough emergency shelter space uh, in the City of Edmonton, as well as in the City of Calgary. Last night alone, we were at 94% capacity in both of those cities, well below uh, the max capacity. Nobody will ever be turned away from our emergency shelter programs. We have invested more money uh, in emergency shelters than any government in the history of the province. We will continue to do that. Further that, we've also invested in new ways of doing uh, shelter, including opening up, as you've seen in the last few weeks, new Indigenous-run shelters to be able to help uh, specifically with Indigenous communities that are finding or facing homelessness, as well as women-only spaces, in other ways to continue to be able to increase capacity in our emergency uh, shelter system. So to be very clear, and I, I think this is very important when you see weather like today, that we do not want to in any way send a message out to anybody that there's not a warm place for them to stay. There is more than enough warm places to stay right now. Anybody who needs to get warm or needs a place to stay right now on the streets in our largest cities uh, should go immediately to a shelter and they will be kept care of. Um, I also, as has, was released yesterday when the mayor uh, said his, uh, released his statement, in November, Premier Smith ordered that an emergency cabinet committee be created and convened in response to the issue of crime and gang-related activity with encampments across the city of Edmonton. Alberta's government cares deeply about vulnerable Albertans, and we will always ensure that anyone who wants shelter and supportive services will receive it. However, we will not stand by and watch vulnerable Albertans and the general public continue to be extorted, taken advantage of, killed by gangsters, and killed by deadly drugs. The Edmonton Public Safety Committee is or has members from departments from, that oversees operations and our administrative programs that promote public safety and supports the transition of the Edmonton-based encampment residents into safe, secure, and appropriate arrangements. The Cabinet com Committee membership includes uh, Premier Daniel Smith, who's the chair, uh, Minister Amy, who's the Minister of Justice, Minister Ellis, who's the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, Minister LaGrange, the Minister of Health, Minister McIver, the uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs, myself, the Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, Minister Turton, the Minister of Children and Family Services, Minister William, the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, Minister Wilson, the Minister of Indigenous Relations, who are all sworn members of that committee. It also includes uh, Chief Cody Thomas, who's the Grand Chief of the Confederacy of the Treaty Six First Nations, and Chief McPhee, who's the Chief of the Edmonton Police Service. This committee has met continuously since it initially, its initial meeting on November 29, 2023, to plan a joint response. Our government is working on an action plan alongside Alberta Health Services, the Edmonton Police Services, the Confederation of Treaty for, uh, Six First Nations, and several departments of the City of Edmonton, including the Edmonton Fire Rescue Services. Our government will continue to respond to these issues following the expected court decision on January 16th. No matter the outcome, we will have a more detailed statement regarding this response once that court decision is made. I understand that the mayor has been vacationing in Hawaii and he nor City Council have had the benefit of being briefed by City Council regarding that work that is underway. City staff have been evolved, though, throughout the process. We expect that uh, Council be fully briefed on that joint strategy before they make any further political declarations that have no force and no effect. We are doing actual hard work to get people the services they need, and I want to thank all the city and provincial staff for their hard work on this. If the mayor will not allow 
Council to be briefed on this, then the province will offer a briefing to any city councillor that wants to understand this issue prior to the mayor's political emergency motion. Thank you. Ready for another question? Am I allowed a third one? Yeah, I'll give you a third one. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, yeah, drop in, uh, the drop-in centre and shelter centres, uh, most of them have a, like, a time you had to leave at 10 a.m. in the morning. So I was wondering, uh, what are your government doing except providing them with a bed? Which is great. I'm going to give you that. But what else are you going to do? Because the homeless problem is multi-factor, and a bed is not the only solution. So, again, as I've laid out in this press conference, this government is doing way more than just emergency housing. I've just laid out billions of dollars of investments that taxpayers are making in helping uh, people deal with things like housing, including the homeless. It is also the government that is leading the way in the country when it comes to things like new ways of being able to work with uh, addition rehabilitation, uh, making unprecedented investments in that important issue, which definitely impacts uh, the population that it is, we find uh, facing homelessness. Our government has also uh, made sure that shelters are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I want to be clear, when I say that capacity is available, that capacity is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anybody who needs a place to be warm today uh, in our largest cities uh, has access to emergency shelter space and is utilizing it, hundreds of, hundreds and hundreds of homeless people are utilizing those spaces to stay warm, and they will continue to be open all day to be able to provide services to those people. Uh, and it does not only happen when it's cold. That is what happens 12 months a year uh, as a requirement of us funding those organizations. Next question. Good morning, Minister. Uh, Keith McDonald with CTV News Calgary. Sir, with all the uh, shelters sort of at full capacity, are you concerned, sir, that going forward in this cold weather that some people might be left behind since all the shelters that we're hearing, sir, are at full capacity? So again, shelters are not at full capacity. So the shelters are nowhere near full capacity. Um, we see the uh, update on the numbers each day. Uh, that is provided in the context of the city of Edmonton. It's part of the court injunction that's up there. It has to be provided to the Edmonton Police Service uh, and uh, city officials uh, by order of me through my department, and it is. Uh, we, last night in Calgary and Edmonton, uh, amongst our coldest days of the year, uh, we hit 94% capacity. We had the ability to surge that even more if we had to. We are not anywhere near the spot that we would have to. I want to be clear, nobody will be turned away from an emergency shelter. Uh, period, full stop. And we will continue to have enough capacity inside our province to meet that need. And last question, sir. Um, are you concerned that province is going to be able to meet the needs going into the future, considering the, you know, the homeless situation seems to grow on a daily basis, sir? Well, I'm, I think we should celebrate uh, the city that we're in, and then I'll talk about Edmonton in a minute. Calgary is one of the only large cities anywhere in the country that is seeing the homeless population go down. Uh, that is from a tremendous amount of work through a lot of great organizations and partnership with the government who continue uh, to address that need. Now, that said, we are seeing increased challenges, particularly in Edmonton. There are a variety of reasons for that. Um, but that is why we're choosing to invest in unique ways to be able to do shelter different. Uh, and I think one of the things that has been underreported that has probably need to be talked about more is the tremendous effort that the government has done to be able to work with Indigenous communities to open up new Indigenous-run shelters to be able to make sure culturally appropriate shelters that can help uh, Indigenous individuals who are homeless be able to receive help uh, from, uh, from nations that are involved. And we were really excited to open up the new Enoch shelter in Edmonton the other day. 
Um, we will continue to invest to be able to make sure that we meet our needs uh, as a province when it comes to emergency housing. But our primary focus is what you see here today, which is continuing to build more long-term housing solutions so that individuals don't have to stay on the street um, and that they can go into more long-term housing solutions and have successful and productive, healthy, safe lives, which I think is the objective of our government and it is the objective of most Albertans. We'll move to questions over the phone now. A reminder to state your name and your outlet, and we'll do one question follow-up and one follow-up. Could we get the first caller, please? Carrie Tate, Glove and Mail. Go ahead. Hi, Minister. Thanks for taking my. Uh, hi, Minister. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I'm wondering, you first discussed Mayor Sohi and the idea that saying that there's no room in shelters is dangerous. That was in the press release last night. We. You re reiterated it today. Mayor Sohi and advocates are not saying that there's no room in shelters or there's not enough shelter space. They're saying that there's not enough affordable housing. Why is it that you're um, attacking them on this idea that they're saying there's not enough shelter when that's not what they're discussing? Well, to be very clear, the mayor's statement uh, outright says that there's not capacity in the emergency shelter system uh, in the city of Edmonton. So he has also raised concerns about affordable housing. Uh, but to be clear, that has, is what he has said and is what many have said um, over the last uh, period of time. Now, why am I I'm not attacking anybody? I'm making clear that there is capacity within that system. And I, 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 I'm going to answer your question on affordable housing in a minute. I want to be very clear. This is dangerous. For anybody to imply that there is not an adequate space for somebody to be warm on a day when it is minus 40, if it causes one person not to go in to get help because they think that there is no adequate space to get help and that person loses their life, that is completely and utterly uh, unacceptable. As for affordable housing, this province, first off, continues to have the most affordable housing anywhere in the country. Calgary and Edmonton are the most affordable large cities in North America, uh, and our government continues to invest unprecedented amounts of money in being able to make sure that both attainable housing uh, through the construction industry is being created uh, in a way to be able to keep affordability within the market, an unprecedented amount of money in affordable housing. I mean, a $9 billion investment creating 25,000 more affordable housing units uh, is an astronomical investment, uh, and we will continue to be laser-focused when it comes to that issue. The reality is that the mayor of Edmonton made a statement yesterday about declaring an emergency that would have no value. It would not change the situation at all. He did so from vacation in Hawaii, a political statement. Instead of actually bringing forward constructive solutions, it's also more appalling because his officials have been in meetings with the government for the last several weeks, putting together a long-term plan to deal with the unique circumstances that are taking place with encampments in Edmonton. And rather than taking the time to be briefed on that, know what the city of Edmonton is up to. Uh, he's made a political statement that one is not true, uh, and that second uh, is pushing for a, a declaration of an emergency that will have no positive impact on the issue at all. So again, I encourage the mayor to get briefed by his own officials on the work that is taking place, and if he will not allow council to be briefed on that, uh, we will make it available for city councillors directly through the government if they are interested. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, you mentioned twice that the shelter's capacity was at 94% in Edmonton and Calgary. So you, there's physical room. I'm wondering why you think people are not going to those shelters. We hear things like they don't feel safe there. They're not, um, maybe it's uh, they want to be with their partner. They can't lock up their belongings, stuff like that. Why is it that if there is space, you think that they're not 
using it? What can you do different about the shelters? Well, to be clear, the vast majority of the homeless population is using the shelter system in those cities. Hundreds and hundreds of people slept in our shelter system last night, and they are alive and not froze to death because they chose to sleep inside that shelter system. Uh, I want to stand up for the incredible shelter providers in all those cities that work closely with the government to provide an unprecedented amount of service to thousands of Albertans uh, who are facing uh, homelessness, uh, and who run excellent shelters. Uh, our shelters have standards. Uh, you have to meet those standards to be able to receive funding uh, from the provincial government. Uh, partners and couples can go to the same shelter. That's, uh, you're not forced to go to different shelters. That's not a, a, an accurate statement. And, and anybody who would imply that Alberta shelters are somehow less safe than the images that we're seeing from encampments right now and that the police have put out, I think needs to give their head a shake. Uh, it is shocking what is taking place inside those encampments. We have people dying from accidents. We have people uh, facing violence, including sexually violence uh, situations. Um, we have accidental fires. Uh, we're seeing weapons uh, and drug paraphernalia inside uh, those locations. And appallingly, the other day, the Edmonton Police Service made clear that when they went into one of those encampments, there was a 16-year-old girl, a minor child, who was being trafficked inside those encampments. So uh, if you see those images and then come and see an image of one of our shelters and try to tell me that encampments are somehow more safer than those shelters, it's a ridiculous argument. Next caller, please. Shailene Skolsky, CTV. Hi, thank you so much for taking my question. Um, just following up on my colleague's question in regards to concerns around safety in these shelters, we're hearing those same reports. People are fearful of robberies, assault, and sexual assault. And that, uh, as well-intentioned as the employees are there, they're just not equipped to handle escalations of violence. I I'm wondering if you can tell me more about the safety standards these shelters are held to. Uh, shelters, we, you know, for example, the Centre of Hope in Edmonton spends about a million dollars a year alone on security. The Edmonton Police Service supports us uh, when it comes to making sure individuals are safe in those locations. Lockups are provided for individuals' uh, supplies or their uh, uh, personal property uh, so that it's secure. Uh, I don't have all of uh, the calls about uh, potential uh, calls that the Edmonton Police Service may have had inside our shelter system in front of me right now. I can tell you it's significantly lower than encampments. Um, and that in general, uh, our, I have no concerns with the overall safety of our shelter system. Our, our shelter providers uh, work tirelessly to provide a safe location for individuals to stay. When I push to ask what safety concerns individuals are running into, they usually say it's because they want pets uh, and or couples in shelters. Couples can be at shelters in the same shelter together, so that question is already answered. Uh, and if you want to see a safety issue, uh, it would be me opening up all of our shelters to pets. So we use our pet shelters to be able to keep care of pets. You know, I spent, as some of you know, the last uh, several weeks with the son in the hospital. I had to get people to babysit my dogs, obviously, because I didn't expect Alberta Health Services to be able to create a facility that could keep animals. We have other facilities in the province that can keep animals. So, again, those aren't safety issues. Uh, those are uh, practical issues. Uh, and I, we are comparing a shelter system to encampments where people are being brutally hurt, and, more, and, and even worse than that, uh, are dying unnecessarily from accidents. Anybody who's seen the images of those individuals who have been burnt to death, uh, and that would imply that that is somehow safer than the Alberta shelter system, is wrong, and really needs to take some time to actually go and have a look at our shelters. Do you have a follow-up? 
I do. Yeah, just in regards to uh, the mayor of Edmonton. So he plans to call this declaration uh, of an emergency in a meeting. Will you be attending a meeting with the mayor and the federal housing minister on this issue? Are you open to doing that? And if so, what do you hope to bring to that meeting? No, I I will not be. I'm not interested in political games when it comes to this issue right now. Um, I will happy and have worked with the mayor on issues of housing, and we'll continue to uh, stand with him uh, in advocating for fair funding from the federal government. Uh, but when it comes to his bizarre decision to talk about having a state of emergency uh, that, ha- that will have no effect, that will not help any individuals that will be in trouble, will not create any more resources, and it's just a complete political stunt, we're not interested in that. We're interested in real action uh, and helping individuals. That's why the Premier has an emergency task force uh, working on uh, and supporting the Edmonton Police Service when it comes to encampments. That's why we've invested more in shelters and affordable housing and rehabilitation facilities than any government in the history of this province. And so if the mayor is prepared to actually come and continue to do real work, uh, we'll be interested, of course, in working with him. Uh, but just going through political motions that have no impact are a waste of time, uh, and we will be focused on helping Albertans. Next caller, please. Lisa Johnson, Edmonton Journal. Hi, thanks for taking my question, and thanks for providing that 94% number. That's that's really helpful. Um, just on that issue of shelter capacity, uh, you've said that members of the public and the opposition don't adequately understand the shelter system in Alberta, and I hear what you're saying, that um, you believe it's dangerous to suggest that there's no place for people to go, but how can Albertans or Edmontonians have an accurate understanding of the shelter system when you're not providing that updated data, especially now as these encampment removals are happening? Well, we do provide the updated data uh, on a consistent basis. I put it out regularly. It's also provided to, uh, obviously, the City of Edmonton. Uh, and uh, to housing providers who are working with us uh, to be able to provide it. Uh, And I have been very clear about those capacity numbers uh, for months and months and months. That said, I do agree with you uh, that we need a mechanism that will make sure that that is being updated in real time, uh, and that will roll out here in the next uh, couple days where uh, everybody will be able to see on a website exactly where we are on capacity issues uh, and where our emergency shelter system is going forward. Do you have a follow-up? Great, yeah, thanks for that. I'm, I'm also curious to know why Homeward Trust was, was told to take down what were the most accurate numbers, up-to-date numbers that we could see publicly. Why were they told to take that down now? And why, why was this decision to roll out a separate uh, portal, I guess, made right now when this information is so vital to the public conversation about these encampment clearings? Because Homer Trust's numbers were wrong. Um, and, and that's not Homer Trust's fault. Homer Trust would not have access to the entire shelter system, only the provincial government does. Homer Trust has access to the numbers uh, that they are part of uh, and certainly, uh, I think, have done their best with trying to get those numbers up to date. Uh, but with the large amount of new shelters that came on, uh, the numbers were off by hundreds of beds and certainly were off on the capacity side. So what we recognized was that information that was going out was wrong, uh, which is why we've made clear to the department that they needed to have a website up by this week with accurate numbers so that Homer Trust and other organizations can work off of real numbers. Next caller, please. Scott Tiffel, CBC. Hi, I just have a question for Martina. Uh, Martina, if you could just say your last name so we pronounce it correctly first. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you just said. 
My last Sorry, name? Sorry, could you just pronounce your last name, please, so we, pr- we pronounce it correctly? Do you want it the Slav, uh, the Czech version or the English version? Um, oh, go. go okay, Jilekova is great. Thank you. Okay. And Martina, do you know how much uh, money Onward is getting and how it will use that money for its operational costs? Yeah, thanks for that question. Yes, we do. Um, uh, we are getting... Um, let me just make sure that uh, I'm pulling that number correctly. Um, our contribution is $250 uh, per unit. Uh, and as I mentioned, those uh, dollars uh, will really go towards impacting our bottom line. Uh, I was speaking about the increasing costs to operate housing. I mentioned some of those costs. Um, uh, again, um, when we look at our operating expenses, in addition to those I already mentioned, Our painting costs, paint is up by 25%, flooring is up by uh, 25%. So um, any operating dollars will go towards our bottom line and uh, will impact, at the end of the day, the services that we provide. Do you have a follow-up? For clarification from the minister? Yep. Minister Nixon, uh, can you just, um, I guess with the dozens of providers um, that you say that the government um, is assisting, do they have, I guess, full latitude to decide how to use the money that they'll be provided in terms of their operations, or are there any restrictions? Only restrictions are that this is for operating. So we're not, uh, we have other avenues that we're investing in capital and partnership with those providers, uh, but it is purposely created to be very flexible because each organization will be dealing with different challenges. Okay, and that's all the questions we have today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.